Welcome to the Nach Daily, a congregation of Havas Torah initiative. Today we are discussing the 18th parak of Sefer Yehoshua. At this point, for context, the tribes of Reuven, Gad, Benasha, Ephraim, and Yehuda have received their portions in the land of Israel and in the Transjordan, and seven other tribes, plus Levi, have not received a portion yet. The parak opens with an important event. The people gather at Shiloh. And there they set down the Mishkan, where it will rest for 300 plus years throughout Sefer Shoftim, the Epic of the Judges. And in a certain respect, one can really read the history of the Jewish people onto the history of the Mishkan and vice versa. At first, we're given a Mishkan in the wilderness. There, the Mishkan is a tent. It's meant to be assembled, to be disassembled with ease. It's made to travel with. And that reflects the wandering nature of the B'nai Yisrael, who are themselves in an inchoate form, still evolving, still quite fluid, not yet mature. Then, starting in this parak, the Mishkan rests in a semi-permanent way. As the Gemara in Zavachim tells us, the structure itself changes. The walls are now given permanence and are made out of stone. At the same time, the ceiling is impermanent. It's covered only by a curtain. This reflects an intermediate stage where the B'nai Israel are now somewhat settled in the land of Kinaan, in the land of Israel, but there remains uh, much to be conquered, much to be accomplished and settled. The nation is more mature, but the tribes are still a confederacy without a strong unified identity. And then, in the book of uh, Melachim, under the reign of Shlomo, we finally reach the last stage, which is a fully permanent structure, the base Hamikdash. This comes only after David HaMelech fully conquers and unifies the land and the people. So you can map onto these three stages of the sanctuary the development of the nation itself, from wandering to semi-permanence and then finally permanence, and from immaturity to semi-matured to right to having progressed somewhat to then a fully matured state. The Mishkan is the heart of the Jewish people, and its development consistently symbolizes the development of the entire nation. Once Mishkan Shiloh is set up in this parak, Yehoshua is confronted by the seven tribes that have yet to receive their portion in the land, and whose land remains largely unconquered. Yehoshua criticizes the people, for being lazy or too weak to conquer their land. Nonetheless, he tells them to survey the remaining land and to divide it into seven portions, with you, which Yehoshua will then give out based on lots. Reading this, you have to ask yourself, why weren't these tribes also assigned territory if Yehuda and Ephraim and Menashe and those in the Transjordan have already been assigned theirs? I found this very confusing. And here is my best account uh, for what exactly has taken place here. I'm sure it's an imperfect account, and so I will present it to you, and I leave it to you to consider and to build upon. We already know from Perak Yud Gimel that the initial and ideal vision was for the conquest to unfold and for the entire land to come under Israelite control, and only then would the land be assigned to the different tribes. This makes very good sense because there needs to be this kind of veil of ignorance in terms of who will receive what portion of land uh, to ensure that everyone fights for everyone else's parcel of land. 
Otherwise, if everyone knew right away which, which land would belong to which tribe, so then the people of Dan aren't going to fight for the people of Yehuda, and the people of Yehuda won't fight for the people of Zevulun, and Zevulun for Naphtali, etc. So plan A is conquer everything and then divide it up. But as we saw in Yud Gimel, once it was clear that the conquest would not be completed in Yehoshua's lifetime, Hashem commanded him to begin to assign the land even before it's totally conquered. And it seems to me that plan B was meant to unfold now in two stages. Right now we've moved plan A, conquer everything, and then give it out. Then we move to plan B, and I think plan B was supposed to be two steps. The land of Yehuda and Ephraim and Menashe, so Yosef and Yehuda, right? Because Ephraim and Menashe are B'nai Yosef. They're already largely conquered, and they are given out immediately. This, uh, of course, deals a blow to the coalition, as Yehuda, Ephraim, and Menashe will now divert all of their attention to the settling of their own land, which uh, still involved a great deal of, of fighting, conquering, and, and quelling local populations and resistances. Uh, but perhaps the hope was, right, so what, what, what does plan B kind of look like? So the, the hope was that in settling Yehuda, Ephraim, and Menashe, uh, and settling the Mishkan, as we see in the beginning of this parak, so the Bnei Israel will, will be given some stability. Even if Yehoshua were to pass away before the full conquest of the land, already the most essential and powerful tribes have been given some of the most important land of Canaan, and there's a kind of rootedness, there's a kind of quasi-state already in place, and with that already, uh, that groundwork laid out, so then perhaps the, the hope was that the other seven tribes would still form a coalition with the remaining veil of ignorance, not knowing which partial, parcel of land was going to fall to them, and perhaps the seven tribes would have this uh, coalition to conquer the remaining territory. Unfortunately, what we learn in today's parak is that that vision uh, was not executed, did not come to fruition. So again, we now move from plan B to plan C, and that is to completely remove the veil and let everyone know what land is going to be theirs to inherit. The trade-off here is that, yes, now each tribe will only fight for themselves, but at least each tribe will be motivated knowing that they are fighting for their own parcel of land. So dividing up the land now really sounds the death knell uh, of even a partial unity of the people. And, And now the nation is going to splinter into their own tribal mandates to conquer and settle their unique lands. So the hope was, right, plan A, just to review. Plan A, everyone conquers everything together. Plan B was give Ephraim, Menashe, Yehuda their land so that the, there's almost like a home base, there's a, a pseudo-state in place, and then have the other seven tribes form their own coalition to conquer everything that was remaining, hoping that everyone would fight on behalf of everyone else until that vision was complete, until the whole land was conquered. Yehoshua recognizes now that that's not going to happen. They're not um, going to take that initiative. And so he moves to plan C, which is to completely remove the veil and say, okay, Don, this is what you're going to get. Zavulun, this is what you're going to get. And in doing that, now Don is going to be motivated to conquer Don, Zavulun, Zavulun. This completely uh, ruins the ability of the nation uh, or uh, diminishes the likelihood of the nation working together to conquer territory as one, but at least each individual tribe will now be motivated uh, to conquer their particular parcel of land. Those are my thoughts, the A, B, and C structure, plan A, plan B, plan C. 
Let me know what you think. If you have a, a different take, if you want to offer a modification, shoot me an email at thenachdaily at gmail.com. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz, and happy learning.